Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. Happy Thursday to all of you. The weekend is approaching. Very exciting. Always a big relief. Um, it's been definitely a long week for a lot of people. Um, there's been, you know, different stuff going on in the media. Um, we have a lot to get to tonight, which I'm very excited about. I have missed you. I haven't been with you guys since Tuesday. We had a great show on Tuesday, though. I want to thank all of our special guests. They were fantastic. Um, we do, and, uh, you know, I want to thank, as usual, uh, at the beginning of every episode, I want to thank all my co-hosts. I want to thank, you know, all my, all my special guests, all my sponsors, all my audience. Uh, on the line with me right now, I have oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Cap- Clash Daily, Live Debt, Daily Surge, and The Hill, Dan Perkins. How are you, my friend? I'm fine, and, I'm fine. and uh, as of, I guess, tomorrow, a, a regular contributor to nextgen.com, nextgenusa.com. The Next Gen USA, yes, exactly. And uh, as always, we are joined by the lovely um, legislative affairs for President Ronald Reagan, international security expert, Islamic historian, political activist, and best-selling author, Valerie Greenfeld. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on your show, Lori. Absolutely. Um, so tonight is obviously, you know, th- there's so much to get into and, uh, you know, I have a lot of special guests coming on tonight. Uh, we will have economists, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, writer for Newsmax, LiveZet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. Dr. Michael Bussler will be calling in. We also have on the line right now, who I'm going to get to, is activist, political strategist, lobbyist, and founder of Frontline America, Ben Berkwam, who was recently down uh, at the caravan situation in Tijuana, witnessing it all firsthand. Um, so I definitely want to hear what he has to say. Uh, bear with me, though, guys. Let's get him on the line. Uh, ben Berkwam? Hey. Ben. Yeah, I'm here, brother. Hey, Ben. Can how are me? you? So, everybody, I want, I want to introduce activist, political strategist, activist, political strategist, founder of Frontline America, Ben Berkwam, and he's also doing different lobbying stuff and, and also fighting for our border constantly. He's a true patriot, and uh, he was recently down in Tijuana witnessing the caravan border firsthand. Uh, you know, so he was actually there, unlike what, you know, the left-wing media constantly tells us, you know, and, and the, the hogwash that the media, uh, you know, puts in, the, in, in their stories. But, uh, you know, Ben will tell us the real story. So, Ben, what do you know? And you and I had a conversation earlier today, you know, describing this whole situation, how it's so much different than what the media classifies it as and how they portray it and and their whole narrative towards it. So uh, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, uh, so I went down there with that intention in mind. Now, I've been down a couple weeks ago. I've been down there on the border a lot. Uh, substantially with the fight sanctuary state movement and trying to uh, undo the harm that criminal politicians like Gavin Newsom and Javier Becerra have done here in California by protecting criminal aliens. But I wanted to go down there and see firsthand uh, what this invasion really is, uh, what it's all about. 
And so we were down there this last Sunday and Monday. Uh, I'd been there a couple weeks ago when the first first wave came, the gay transgender uh, group of uh, caravan members who had actually been forced out of the caravan because they were being oppressed or persecuted by other members of the caravan who are supposedly escaping uh, persecution of their own. And so it's just, it's hypocrisy upon hypocrisy. What I saw uh, this weekend was really desperate conditions for a lot of people, many of whom don't really, didn't really know why they were coming or, or didn't really have an agenda other than they, they said that they saw an advertisement on their TV station or radio down in Honduras and Guatemala saying, come and join us and you'll be basically allowed into America. Uh, we actually were able to catch up with the mother who's been, her picture has been sent all over the world. Uh, Maria, who last Sunday was, or two Sundays ago, was running away from the tear gas with her two twin daughters that had no pants on and no shoes on. And so we were able to interview her, uh, as well as the guy wearing the F your mom Trump shirt and, uh, and L America. I, originally, I thought it said, and America. Come to find out, it says, and L America, which is supposedly a soccer team. So uh, it wasn't quite as bad a shirt as, as we had originally t- uh, thought it was, but it was still disrespectful to our president. And so it was just incredibly eye-opening uh, to see the organization that the left is, is conducting down there from groups like Pueblos Sin Fronteras and uh, MoveOn.org and the UN working with them. So the globalists, the, the global globalists, and then yeah. the local activist leftist groups that are helping aid and abet these criminals that are trying to break into our country and undermine our sovereignty. So incredibly eye-opening. Yeah, and, and let, let's not forget there was a, there was a new report out today um, you know, that basically stated it and it put into perspective that Obama uh, the administration granted Soros tied groups $310 million to help migrants avoid deportation. So, I mean, there's more and more revelations each day. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, this, this story, but compared to what, what's really going on, but it's just well, but it's, but it's all it's, it's, yeah, it's all tied together. So that that is aiding and abetting criminal illegal aliens in America. These people have broken. They're not migrants. They're illegal aliens. When they're here illegally and they don't have a right to be here, whether they came over legally and their visa expired or they hopped the fence and walked over. Which, by the way, uh, this is something that people need to understand. We have a caravan of illegals breaking our sovereignty every single day that goes unreported because it's happening where cameras aren't aren't posted. We've got in Arizona, in New Mexico, in Texas, and in California, thousands of people breaking or coming over every day. This is just for optics. This is for the left to be able to uh, try to use, you know, create sob stories and show the plight of of immigrants quote unquote asylum seekers, which we know ninety percent of them would not qualify for asylum. And that's one thing, I too, I want to talk about. Without exception, every single person that we interviewed down there said the number one reason they were coming was for jobs or economic benefit, without exception. So this idea that they're, actually, they're coming for asylum is total BS. We know it's BS. The, yeah. the vast majority of them are young men, fighting-age men, yeah. as many people have said. Um, yeah, and there and, was a poll. And, you, know, a lo- you know, there was a poll that said 90% of them were grown men. Yeah, and, and, and I saw it firsthand. And the interesting thing is, the way the media 
tries to portray it. They they are staging just about everything. So while we were there, we were actually filming the media and their tactics. So they're talking to the mother, you know, a mother with their children saying, okay, go over here. You stand here. You lay down here. Uh, and, and then this whole little, uh, you know, cabal of media cameras goes over, and they all start taking the same pictures. Well, right behind them, you've got 50 young men smoking pot and, and uh, doing whatever they're doing, just waiting to break into our country. I mean, it's just the whole thing is a setup orchestrated by the left. Yeah, it's really simple. I mean, it's really in, in insanity. I mean, I, I know my panel has lots of thoughts. I, I want to go to uh, Dan Perkins first. And uh, real quick, though, Dan, your thoughts on all this. I know you've been writing about this constantly. You know, you write for some of the biggest newspapers around, and you've been doing this for a long time and working as an in- D.C. insider. But what are your thoughts on all this? Well, I would love to ask a couple of questions of our guests, if you don't mind, Rory. Yeah, go ahead. Sir, um, it, um, the one thing that I, I puzzles me is how is this being paid for? And the magnitude of what it must cost must be tens of millions of dollars. And right. if, if what we see on TV about the, the terrible conditions in Tijuana it appears that the Mexican government doesn't doing anything for them. The Tijuana government doesn't even want them there. Uh, are you are you seeing people abandoning the caravan and trying to go back home or other places and forget about trying to get into the United States? Uh, yes. In fact, the, the day that we, the Monday when we left, we were approached by 14 caravan members that said just that, that they were ready to go home. They realized they'd been lied to. They weren't going to get into America. That they were at the first caravan stop, so we went to both. We went to the original uh, location, which was right next to the border. You we actually was the fence was right there, and so I, it was obviously designed to frustrate them to the point where they would go and, and make a run for the border. And we also were told by other organizations that were down there, who who are legitimate humanitarian organizations out of Tijuana, that these leftist groups that were organizing the caravan. Were, t- were on Sunday when we had the rush on the border, were telling the ones who made the rush how to do it, what to do, where to go, and then they were sending the mothers with children in behind them. Um, so there's no question. It's tens of millions of dollars that's being spent if you look at the transportation costs, the food costs, and the rest of that. And it, the money's still coming in. So they're at the second location when we got there, it's, it's a very well-organized, orchestrated, uh, uh, fairly efficient operation where they've they've bought tents for just about everybody they've got food lines and clothes lines and for these thousands of people uh, all being funneled through and all being uh, uh, worked by leftist different groups out of la the bay area berkeley uh, san diego and then around the country we had some folks from new york that were there but they all have they they were very um careful not to not to align themselves with any other group. So every one of them said, oh, we just came down here. We just heard about it, and we're just down here. We're, uh, you know, just a group out of uh, – we're a dance group. One of them said a dance group out of L.A., and we just wanted to come down here and, and help. And so they're very careful not to connect the larger organizations that we know uh, Open Society Foundation has been pumping millions of dollars into these organizations. We know Pueblos and Fronteras, and that's basically, uh, from what I gather – and that's the front group. 
uh, and then the money is being filtered to them. And then as they get closer to the border, it's being distributed out to a whole host of other you know, uh, leftist organizations. But there's it's an incredible amount of money. But there are people that are finally seeing this for what it is. The problem is there are more caravans behind them that are coming up. So this, it's just a pipeline of people from Central America being brought to our southern border in order to create chaos. Yeah. I have one more question, Rory. Yeah, go ahead, um, Jim. If, if I, and I certainly I do not want to misquote you, but I thought I heard you say in your opening remarks that the UN is in the business uh, or, or is providing funds for the caravan. Did I hear you correctly? Yes. Yeah. They well, whether or not they're providing funds, they're providing aid. They're they're providing the um, the medical staff. Uh, all the way throughout, from the time that they left Honduras and Guatemala, they've been they've had uh, UN members with them throughout the entire trip. So, uh, Roy, this is going to sound really strange, but <laughs> no worries. Is it possible ahead. that the, is it possible that the money that the United States is giving the UN for support is being channeled to the illegals oh, coming up through Mexico? Of course. That was great. That's a great point, Dan. I, I actually yeah. agree. Wow. Yeah. No, of course. Uh, and, and that's one of those reasons why we know the U.N. is not pro-America. And the fact that we've been giving them billions yeah. of dollars uh, for years and years and years just to slit our own throat is it's insane to me. I mean, we're committing national suicide. Um, and I, I, yes, absolutely. That's, we, are, we are paying for our own so, demise. Uh, as, as a reporter – uh, uh, who writes commentary all the time, uh, as Roy said, I, I have to ask you one more question. Do you have, and I'm not asking you to give it over the air, but off the air we can, we can talk about contact. Uh, do you have proof of what you're saying about the UN? Yes. Oh, wow. And, and so that we through Roy, we could make contact with each other because I'd like to do a story about that. Yeah, Very yeah, soon. yeah, Ben. He, yeah, Ben. He writes for all the big biggest newspapers around the country. So I mean, we could probably make this into something huge. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not trying not, to make I, it I, huge. I actually, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to provide information that that I, until tonight I had no clue that the UN was involved, and that's why yeah, no, I, I was they, so well, interested. The, the thing is, it's. I, it's it's not even that – it's not really – I wouldn't even call it breaking news. They've been reporting that the U.N. has been uh, along with them from the beginning in, in different areas in, in coordinating the medical uh, staff in Mexico City. Uh, we've got pictures of at different stops along the way with uh, the U.N. flag with them, and, and yeah, there's, they've, been, they've been with them from the beginning. And, but they haven't been hiding it, so I don't know how much of new information it would be, but it definitely – the connection – Connecting all the dots is what hasn't been done effectively yet, and that's yeah. And uh, uh, my you know, my point is to, to to you, sir, is that um, if our if the money that we as America is paying some amount of the money that we're paying to the UN is being reached is channeled into supporting these illegals coming up in these car- car- caravans, then we we are de facto helping finance. The invasion of our yeah, own country. Yeah, well, let me let me let me clarify. Um, so I don't I don't have any proof of their budget. I don't have their you know their balance. No, I'm not asking you for that. I'm, I'm going to yeah, raise that as a rhetorical they're question. They're definitely in, 
Yes, yeah. They're definitely involved. They're definitely being funded or helping fund this and, and providing aid to these, these organizations, whether or not, you know, with the money that comes, it's just like our, our Social Security or our road funds, you know, whether or not the money that comes in is, is being uh, transferred directly to that or if they're siphoning it off some other fund that they have. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but there's no question uh, it is the U.N. Is, is aiding this effort. Yeah, see, I, I write for some of the biggest blogs in the country, and uh, uh, I and I, I I write several times a week, and I'm in 15 different blogs. As I said, some of the biggest in the country, and I have yet to read anything about that I can find uh, about the UN involvement. And you know, it it could very well be the the elephants in the room that everybody knows about, but nobody's saying anything about. Well, I. I just think it's it's a shocking thing that the UN is involved and there's a possibility and I don't have to I don't really have to prove whether or not they're spending our money. I'm raising the question, should we right. investigate whether or not the UN is using our money to fund and take care of these illegals that are trying to invade our country? That's that's Absolutely. I I can't answer that, you can't answer that, Rory can't answer that. Only an investigation and, by the gov- our government can prove that. And, but and the key, got to, raise the key the to all of this, yes, and the key to all of this, and this is where they're they're very good at playing the silent game. Is they is finding out who who the main funders are, and we know now. Obviously, if they're involved with it, they're a part of it. But getting those back channels, where's this money coming from directly? Because we know there are organizations involved with it directly. But every time you ask. We're down there. Even you know, you've got the National Lawyers Guild. We we were approached while we were trying to figure out. So we were down there. There was a Christian organization called Faith, Hope, and Love that works in Tijuana, and they were just trying to get Maria and her children off the street to some sort of shelter. And either uh, because she's been offered asylum in Mexico, uh, either help her in Mexico or send her back to Honduras. And as we were doing that, we were approached by this green hat wearing you know communist. Came up and said, "You don't have a right to be here. What you know? Who, whose authority are you guys down here?" And what? And then I started filming her, and, and she got really concerned. Uh, again, whether or not they're practicing law, there's all kinds of questions that need to be raised. Do we have people that are you know practicing law in a foreign country? Do they? Uh, what on what capacity are they down there? And as soon as we started filming, she covered her face. She walked away, and then she ended up walking back. There was another lady. They had both taken off their hats and uh, try to get out of there as quick as they can. And so it's just this whole, the whole thing, there are, roots, there are roots to this that need to be exposed. And that we didn't get to this weekend, but that's really the, the, the next stage of this reporting needs to be on the deeper level, you know, who's really behind it. Yeah. Is it, uh, it I have heard anecdotally that there are American lawyers who are crossing the border and are instructing these Ill- historically? I was been just going to bring that up. They're basically they're basically yeah. enabling these lawyers and these leftist yeah. groups are influencing these illegals and telling them what to say and what to do to try yes. and get into our country. Yes, yes. No, that's what I'm. So the National Lawyers Guild is that, that's what that's what this woman was doing. She was down there to teach people how to. Uh, answer the questions correctly on the asylum application in order to get approved to go across. While every single one of them, like I said, without exception, said their their reason for coming was jobs and some sort of economic benefit, they're down there, and this woman was down there to train people 
and she said it on how to apply for asylum and where to go and what to ask for once they get here and how to you know how to take advantage of Medi-Cal and Medicare and all the other programs. So they're they're down there. I ran into two of them uh, specifically, but there's there's uh, untold numbers of other ones that are down there that are in Mexico training on how to uh, break our sovereignty, basically. One of the one of the statistics that I have read is that ninety two percent of the people who file for asylum are deported. Right. Or they, don't, well, they don't. Or they they don't qualify. Many of them don't show up for the hearings, and so they're you know they're there's warrants out for them. But that's the that's the truth. Right. Is 90, over ninety percent of them do not qualify based on their condition. Uh, you know, job economic condition is not a justification for asylum. It has to be some sort of persecution, political or otherwise. Uh, my wife was asking. Her family came over from communist Laos, and they had to go through that process. And so, yes, it, it doesn't it, – it, over 90 percent of them, it does not apply. Uh, they, but, 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 but one would the, think – one would think if there is a 92 percent failure rate – that all the lawyers that are trying to help people to get across the border to seek asylum aren't effective. So is it part of the is it is it still part of the ruse? You know, you're going to get a job, you're going to get across the border, you're not going to be deported. It's that it's all the the pack of lies that they're telling to these people to get them to come north. I believe so. Yeah, the they're, 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 they're not. I can't believe the that they're telling. They can't, I can't believe that they're telling people, well, you got a you got a eight percent chance of ten, getting yeah, asylum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of, of course not. No, they're they're everyone that we've spoken to down there said that they heard from somebody that they'd be able to get in once they got here, um, and they they yeah. So there there's this. Un, it, it's gone beyond that though. It's gotten to the point where they're being told as they're coming, this idea that uh, Pueblo Sin Fronteras, the, the the organization believes it's towns without borders. They're telling these people that America doesn't have a right to have borders to have uh, to decide who comes in. Now they're using that once they right. get here, uh, if they're not right. let in, they're telling them now. Now you need to ask for this. But they're t- telling these people along the way how dare you know how dare America try to keep you out? You have a right to be in there. You have a right to go anywhere you want to in the world. That's what this, their ideology believes that. Hey, uh, and, hey, and, you- and they're. they're Oh, go go ahead, Ben. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say something, but keep no, going. No, no, that's but that's and and yeah, and that's and once they, but they know the left knows this that they're not going to qualify. Over ninety percent of them will not qualify, but they don't care. The whole idea is get them into America, get them onto our voter rolls, and and then once they're here, they know that they don't have to show up for those court hearings. They just buy somebody else's social security number, and they move into the shadows and start voting like the rest of them. Yeah, and, and ben, the, uh, the... I, I, oh, go ahead, Dan. No, I just wanted to ask one more question, and that was that was that um, did you see you, you you said you were there last weekend? Uh, this last I was there this last weekend, Sunday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, did you see the presence of any American military on the border? Um, yeah, I, I we saw definitely saw the Mexican Marines. Uh, I can't. I can't recall if we saw the military, the U.S. military on the U.S. side. Uh, but we definitely saw a huge border patrol presence. So, but I, as far as so I when know, we saw the there. pictures, when we saw the pictures of last weekend where there were 
some type of law enforcement people in helmets and shields uh, driving people, literally pushing people away from the border. That was uh, Mexican police or was that a border control? I don't do know. You know? This is, yeah, I don't know what pictures you're referring to. I know. Uh, so it's a, it's a coordinated effort. And on the border, if, if you're trying to come into America, it's U.S. Border Patrol that's going to stop you. Uh, but it's also the Mexican Border Patrol has been they've been working uh, in tandem in some places. But the, the majority of, of individuals that I saw down there were U.S. Border Patrol um, or some sort of unmarked other uh, mil- their, um, law enforcement personnel. Whether it's military and did you, or did you, 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 you were interviewing individuals, but did you get a sense of, of um, despondency of, of people waiting? Had they been waiting for day after day after day and it feels like being in jail and, and they're not making any progress, not going anywhere? Is, is the frustration at, level and is the despondency getting higher and higher? At the first location, yes, where they've been kicked out and, and – the, some, about 200 of them remained and, and wouldn't leave. Uh, they were all getting frustrated, and that's where 14 of them came up and said they were ready to go home. At the second location, it was – I don't know if it, it was because they had just been moved there two days before, but there it seemed – it was like a party. Of, uh, there was a sense of, of excitement they had. Well, that's the other thing. These groups – so like I said, there's a dance team from L.A. Well, they're out there doing street performances, and, and it really – you know, they've got their – uh, it's like a little little shopping mall in there. They've got where they go and get their clothes, and they get their underwear and their diapers and their toothpaste and their and so all these people that have had nothing now are are getting all of this free stuff given to them. Um, and so the it, the second location, unfortunately, it felt like uh, they were you know happy to be there even if they had to stay there for a while. We'll see how long that lasts, but it's it was a very frustrating sight to to see just knowing that. The intention of the organizers that were there was to basically it's it's like refreshing the troops before they you know go on to their next assignment. It was it, that was the feeling I got was they were you know it was, it was a, a pit stop along the way and now they were all excited to be getting all the stuff. Where do you when yeah. are you going to go back again soon? Um, I'm I will be back down there. We've got a reporter, uh, Paloma for Trump or Paloma Zuniga, who's down there. Um, and then so I and a couple others, Edgar is Tijuana. They're, they've got dual citizenship, U.S. And, and Mexican. And so we've got some folks down there reporting, but I will be back down there. I don't know if it'll be before Christmas or uh, or after. It kind of depends on how things start to break. So. So what yeah, happens if you go down there and, and Mr. Trump decides to close the border both ways? <laughs> Well, that's he, so. So he has. He has he, for, for uh, short periods of time, and that's what has gotten the the Mexicans so pissed off. Is if if you haven't been to Mexico, there is a whole economy based on the border, and because you're you're stuck in line for two and a half hours when you're coming back out, it's easy to get in. It's hard to get. There's a nice uh, slow filter to get you back out, and I think it's partly by design, because there's there are people that their entire livelihood comes from selling their goods on the freeway to cars that are stuck in line for two and a half hours. When they shut the border down, they had riots. In fact, there were guys, people, part of this, you know, people that made their living on the border chasing down the caravan members and beating them with bats. And uh, it was, you know, it was, uh, that was part of what led to the, the protest that we saw a couple weeks ago in, in Tijuana. 5,000 plus people, Mexican people came out, Tijuana residents came out against the caravan. And that's where we saw the Tijuana mayor 
come out in opposition to it. And now we're even seeing the new, uh, the new president of Mexico changing his tune and uh, being more sympathetic to the Mexican people and less towards the migrants. And so the, the, the best thing that can happen is, is it, it, but it's, it's unfortunate too, because there's, there is commerce that goes through there. You know, we want a good neighbor with Mexico. Unfortunately for too many years, they've been the, you know, the, the leech that sucks off America. Um, but there's, there's good things that comes and, 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 you know, as, as a California resident who goes down and, and has traveled through Mexico, I want to be able to go there. I want to be able to, to travel. I, I love traveling the world. And so what I hope comes out of this is the Mexican people realize how dependent their economy is on America and their, their respect is restored. And this ends up stopping by the, what, what, what we started seeing happen. And it's been very little reported, but when we were down there, when the, then the Mexican people started protesting, and it was the first time I've ever seen that protesting against illegal immigration in Tijuana, you could tell the left, had no answer for it, and so they're doing they're doing everything they can to shut that down and and do damage control. But that as that continues to happen, as this caravan starts to cause, and I mean, because on top of that, you've got an incredibly poor populace in Mexico, and now you've got these people coming in saying we deserve this free stuff, and then the Mexican government saying, oh yeah, we're going to give you this, and the Mexican people are looking at it saying, wait, why are you giving it to them? Don't, don't we should get it first? And so there's this whole dichotomy of, of people starting to realize the thing that we in America have realized, like how dare our government give something to people that have no right, right. to be here. And, right. and so there's this, the, really the global battle right now is nationalists, whether yeah. you're in America or Mexico or Europe or Australia or anywhere else against the, the globalists, the, the Marxist globalists. And so that, yeah. that's really what is, is starting to come out of this. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and Ben, I know I know so a lot of my Ben. Ben, I know a lot of my panel has questions for you, but first and foremost, I want to tell you, you know, we're even seeing, you know, people in the streets in Mexico own their own citizens saying, "Get the hell out of here! This is not about racism. This is about you invading our territory." And the left-wing media is nowhere to be found because it doesn't match the agenda. It's not. You know, it's not the white man not letting the brown man into the U.S. You know, they don't have that narrative, so they're not going to report it. Instead, it's, you know, two foreign countries fighting with each other. So it doesn't match what they're trying to, you know, uh, put on their liberal voters. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that when when we were down there, we were down there when that story broke about the uh, the first story about the. LGBT and for the, the sad thing is, from what I understand, that yeah. group was one of the first ones that was allowed across, and there's been very yeah. little reporting on it because I think it would just piss people off. Uh, there's about yeah. 80 of them that first came up, and the Mexican people in that neighborhood were pissed off. They were, you know, who are these people? Get them out of. They were up partying until you know three in the morning. Uh, I ended up getting a nasty virus or cough, out and and it just oh, anyways. So there was there was uh, we were down reporting on that. That was before the main wave of the caravan came a couple of weeks ago, and the people of Tijuana were already starting to rise up, and now they're even even more upset. And that's why they actually moved the location because they they I mean think about this. They took this group of thousands of of, of people who are. Uh, you know, hard up and 
and being funneled across the country, and they put it into the poorest part of Tijuana. That's where they originally had put the encampment. And then they started bringing in all this aid, and so you have all these Tijuana residents, like, you know, living on the streets. There there was a a perfect little example as we were driving in and going over the Tijuana River down to this location. And right off to the right as we're going in, Paloma says, uh, that's where the Mexican homeless people live. And she said that they've lived out there for, you know, years and years and years. Last week, the city, the government bought them all tents. And so it's basically like you have to, you know, because they brought this whole other wave of, of, of homeless people, now they had to actually start treating the homeless in Tijuana a little bit better. But the majority right. of the people in that area were, were outraged because now you've got these people inflowing that, that have no business being yeah. there, that are demanding things, that are disrespecting Mexico – that were saying things right. about the food that they were be, being given. It wasn't good enough. And, I mean, it was just this whole thing. So I, my hope is that the Mexican people continue to rise up and they kill this yeah. thing. And, I mean, can you imagine if we had a Mexico that was anti-illegal immigration that started going back against the yeah. cartels who are really yeah. – the, the cartels are really the untold story in this because they're the ones who yeah. control who gets across illegally and who doesn't. And so that's a whole other story that we're working with the Arizona Border Recon and some other groups on. Um, But yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. And, and, you know, I want to, I want to bring up a quick point. I mean, you know, it kind it it relates to what you just said, but, you know, kind of with the caravan, but just in general, you know, when you have the governments of countries that are enabling the homeless population by giving them tents, by giving them these handouts. What people fail to understand is, yes, it's morally nice from the heart, but all it does is it adds to the epidemic of homelessness. It creates more homeless people. It creates more entitlement. It creates more – it doesn't cure the problem, and when they try to, you know, tax the rich or, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, route they go down to try to, you know, fund the homelessness and fix it. All it does is add to the problem. And, you know, that's part of every, I think, I think a lot of governments in in various countries, especially our country, you look at all the cities that are run by liberals and all we have is is nothing but homeless epidemics. And a lot of them, believe it or not, are illegal citizens. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. When you go, I did a video down at Skid Row down in LA a few weeks ago. And it's the giving to a homeless person who's more than likely on some sort of substance, uh, you know, an addict of something, is all you're doing is enabling them to continue a destructive lifestyle. The best thing that can happen is they don't get any, you know, what they need is, well, they have to decide in themselves that they don't want to live that way anymore, for one. Right. And we have this idea that somehow more government, more money, is going to be the solution to all these problems. Well, the reality is right. a lot of these people want to live that way. And the more money we pump yep. into it, it just allows yep. them to live more comfortably. If, exactly. they, were, if they were uncomfortable, they, yep. they may reconsider. And so you're absolutely yep. right. The, the more we pump in, and that's why it's, it's so uh, frustrating to see these leftist groups down there because all they're doing yep. now is showing people in Central America who have nothing in a lot of cases yep. – well, all we have to do now is get to Tijuana, and at least we'll have something, and we'll be that much closer. And that's by design, is to create this, this pipeline of people ultimately to come and overthrow, overrun our borders and overthrow our, yeah. our government, get rid of the evil capitalism and free markets, yeah. 
and replace it with socialism, socialist Marxism, and you know the 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 the, the government that's never succeeded in any other country in the world, but somehow they're going to make it work here in America. That's and that's ultimately what these crazy people yeah. want. Um, and it's up yeah. to us to so whether then, or not we're going to allow it to happen. Yeah, yeah Valerie, Let me go ask ahead. you. So, so what if what if um, you know some people make it to the border? And they realize they were sold a, bo- a bill of goods by whatever they saw on TV at home, and they want to go back home. Who pays for that? I well, mean, right I, now, I understand it, the liberals it, it, are going to pay for them to get there, but once they're yeah. there and they're not able, then what happens to them? Yeah, ironically, you would think these benevolent leftists would be you know, willing to send them back, right? Uh, but no. But they're, they're not, not uh, are they? But, because it's not going to help no, them. But, Right. It doesn't advance their, their agenda. But what is happening is the Mexican government has offered to fly them back. They're doing one flight, either one flight or two flights a day out of, of Tijuana Airport, taking them, people that want to go back. So there are people that are taking out it's, wow. it's like 5 o'clock in the afternoon every day. The, the Mexican government is paying for people to fly back. Yes. Yeah. So, again, one of those things you don't hear much about, the, uh, but that, that's happening on a daily basis now. The unfortunate thing is there are more people coming than are leaving, and so it's it's uh you know it's 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 a bottleneck that's continuing. So, so to grow. if this is the issue with the Mexican government, why aren't they doing something on the other border and not allowing them in, in the first place? Right, right, and that's ultimately what's going to have to happen. They originally did that; they they blocked the borders, they wouldn't let them in, and the few days after they were protesting. They ended up just opening it up and and shipping them through. And so I think what is going to have to happen is is and that that's yet to be seen. So that was we were in that transition of power with the uh, uh, former president Nieto and the new president coming in, who who claims to be a reformer. He's going to get rid of the corruption, uh, but give back to the people. And it's really going to be interesting to see in the first few weeks of his administration how he uh, how he tackles that. He's he's definitely a socialist. He wants to, you know, he, he believes in redistribution and all that, but from from his, he also says that he is against the corruption that we've seen in the Mexican government. So it's really, it'll be really interesting to see if he, how that plays into this this invasion and these people that are here that become a drain on the resources, and or how much, if if the funders behind this, the international funders that are that are paying for this pipeline, it. it I think it really depends on when when they run out of money or if they have an endless supply to continue to pay for this. Basically, the uh, it's hush money yeah. for the Mexican government, and that's what we've yeah. seen. So the Mexican government they, they're not happy. Tijuana and the mayor is they're pissed, and they're out there. They're yeah. the ones out there in the streets. But the government, the the military, are actually the ones that moved the camp to the new location. They're providing security there, so they're 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 involved in this. Uh, they they seem like. Uh, you know, not necessarily uh, unwilling accomplices, but they're they're they're, they're not they're, they're kind of indifferent about it. Is is kind of the perception I got. They're not they haven't uh, they're not against it yet, but they're not really for it. So it, 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 it which would lead me to believe that there's somebody's getting paid off behind the scenes uh, to allow for this sure. to continue. But at some point, when that stops, it, the pipeline will stop. What do you th- what are your thoughts about the new new government? Are they I mean, given all of this economic expense that's costing Mexico to either send them back or to, you know, have the military there, um, what are the odds that they may go in with the United States government to build the wall or at least to stop 
so many people coming in? Well, like I said when we first started, the people need to understand there is a caravan of illegals crossing our southern border every day, thousands crossing every single day. So really what we have in Tijuana and going across is fairly insignificant in the whole scheme of things when you look at what's actually happening. And that, that crossing, the, it's um, majority, 80% of it is drugs, and the other about 15% is human trafficking. Um, and all of that is being paid for and controlled by the cartels. The uh, Sinaloa cartel, which is actually in a battle right now with MS-13 over territory. Uh, so the what's going on? I mean, this really the what's going on with the caravan is more photo shoot and optics for the national and, and, and global press. The, the the control is the string pullers in Mexico are really the cartels who control the pipeline along our border. So we've got every right. single day thousands of people coming across. I don't. You're not going to see a shutdown of, of the border. You're not going to see Mexico allying against illegal immigration on the southern border yes. because any any member of the government who even suggested that would be killed. I mean, it's you it know, does, they're, yeah. they're, so we're not. But I think when it comes to uh, funneling people from Central America through, we that's where we'll see. It depends on when the when the money that's coming into Mexico to shut them up uh, runs out. And and that, because that's all that the, but, but the only reason that they're that they're okay with this is they're being paid off. I mean, it, it, it's the only thing that I could. Um, the only explanation that I have for it is somebody's paying off the government to allow this to happen. And when that stops happening, uh, then then they'll turn against it and they'll shut down. They'll at least shut down their southern border. But they're not going. There's 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 zero effort to shut down Mexican illegal immigration into America at this point. Did you have a sense when you were there? Go ahead. Go go ahead, Valerie. Did you have a sense while you were there um, about any kind of terrorists coming across the border there? Or was it, you said 80% drugs? I I was Um, just going to mention that, Valerie. Uh, Ben, um, uh, Robert Spencer, the director of Jihad Watch, was on our TV show the other night. Very famous guy. He's all over headline news constantly. And he was even describing in detail – and I think what Valerie was trying to get to is that, you know, the mixture of some of these Islamic extremists mixing in with the caravan crowd. And uh, Robert Spencer says it's absolutely true. It's happening. I mean, there's there's people yeah. that have witnessed it firsthand undercover. Yeah. Well, in fact, I've got um, video that we were given by Arizona Border Recon. They've got surveillance. There are covert cameras out there along the, the, the corridor that they monitor and we've got video of a Middle Eastern man being uh, funneled or uh, 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 coyoted over by uh, cartel members with AK-47s and M4s. And so we've there. It's happening every day. And we've uh, I think since in the last two months, I think there was like 160 Bangladeshis that were caught illegally crossing the border, um, and even in the wow. caravan. So it, it's it's less less of a factor in the caravan because I because it's so visible. Uh, you would be yeah. stupid if you were, you know, a jihadist to try to embed yourself with a group of people that has nonstop, you know, camera coverage. Uh, but we did. Right. I did see at least one uh, one man in the caravan that was uh, wearing a Muslim head headdress. Uh, whether or not oh, he was geez. just Hispanic Muslim, 
you know, I don't know. Yeah. He spoke Spanish, and so, but the, but there's no question about it. We've got video. I actually played it on my radio show tonight or on the podcast of uh, cartel members leading a uh, Middle Eastern man across the border, and this is happening. We we know this from DHS. It's happening constantly. So there are there are people yeah. that are paying the cartel yeah. to come across that that are coming yeah. in as as uh, radical jihadists. Yeah, yeah, Ben, stay stay on for a second. I, I do want to introduce. We we do have a few a couple other guests I want to introduce on. And I know they have questions for you. First of all, I want to introduce the economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, Lives at, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael <laughs> Bussler. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Rory. How you doing? Great to be here. Some interesting conversation I've been listening to. Good, good to have you here, sir. And uh, as always, we got the very successful and producer of my show, as well as many others. And he's also a political strategist and activist, Rob Hicks. How are you, my friend? Hey, Roy. How's it going, man? Um, Rob, you know, I, I want to start with you real quick. You know, I know that, you know, you've been following this whole border thing very closely. And you and I, you know, you're, you called in tonight because we're going to be talking about the Q community because people aren't talking about that enough, which is it's very important. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's the quant. I think it's I think it's pronounced Quanin. Am I am I pronouncing it correctly, Rob? Q. Well, I mean, Q and I guess yeah, Q and on as in like anonymous because it the, the whole thing started right. in the in the 4chan and then 8chan uh, comms. Right, right. But but your thoughts on this whole immigration thing? Because I know you've been following mm-hmm. this close. You and I have discussions about this. Um, you know, it's just different things. I mean, it's crazy. Well, I was actually surprised after the last show that we did on what Tuesday, the the, the TV show, uh, you know, because like dur- during the show, <laughs> in, in what we were talking about, I was flashing all these signs on the whiteboard to you guys, and assuming you guys knew what I was talking about. And Valerie, after the show, came into my office, and she's like, "What were you What were you talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh, they, they were they were cute comments." And she's like, "What?" And, and so Valerie and I spent like an hour with me kind of like telling her about uh, QAnon and the phenomenon that's kind of happened over the last, you know, a little over a year or so. But I, I guess I was just more surprised because I, I thought you guys had, had a little bit of knowledge or visibility into it. Uh, and, uh, and I guess not, but, uh, but I guess Valerie and flipping it to you, uh, n- noting that you just, kind of learned about this what two days ago what are your thoughts well actually it was interesting because i was thinking about our conversation while i was watching the funeral and i was looking at the front row looking at the people there thinking how you know will there be you know will there be a difference what will people be saying at their funerals um and when i heard what you had to say you know it was like it was a relief actually, because if our government goes after the people that need to be um, that need to be punished for whatever they did, I think it will restore a lot more confidence in our country that you don't just get away with everything uh, because right. you have power and money. And, and what I saw, you know, when I, I heard what everybody had to say about George H.W. Bush, and I actually was in the White House at that time, when he was yeah, you there. Yeah, you were Ronald Reagan. 
Yeah, it was a Reagan holdover. And so we were there during the election and we were there during the transition and watching the whole thing. And when you watch the, uh, the, the funeral, you know, everything that came out from everybody that spoke was about the values that the Bush family has. And, and that's, yeah. you know, what our country needs to get back to is that we yeah. do something about it when we have a leader that, that you know, destroys the credibility um, of our country by, you know, by stealing or, you know, taking money and buying from the bad guys or whatever, you know, the machine did. And so I was very, I was, I was, I was heartened to hear what you had to say, Rob, because people have to be accountable for their actions. Yeah. And, and Rob, you know, you, you, and I know Ben wants to hear this. I know everybody wants to hear, you know, you and I, Rob, were talking earlier today and, uh, you know, I really want you to reveal this to, to our entire audience because I think this is very important and I think you have a really good point and I think a lot of people are going to, you know, understand that this all adds up. Uh, but please, please explain, uh, you know, with the Comey indictments, the Loretta Lynch, and also uh, the distraction of the Bush funeral. Please explain that, how you said uh, the deep state uh, was involved with this. I mean, this is, this is, this is pivotal. This is big stuff. Well, the only, I'll, I'll do my best to answer it. But one of the concerns that I have is, is, you know, if, if you're not familiar with the, the, the Q boards and the Q and on phenomenon, that's kind of going on. And it really is a, a worldwide phenomenon. I mean, it's, uh, it was interesting even seeing the Paris, um, uh, uh, riots that were going on, and, you know, the yellow vests and stuff like that. There were a lot of them that actually had the letter Q's painting on the back of their jackets. And interestingly enough, uh, the 17th International Maritime Flag is is uh, uh, is the letter Q, which, I mean, it's – so I think, you know, bringing up the Q subject, it's, it's one of those love-hate things, and it's either all conspiracy or it's not. Um, so, but it's a rabbit hole for sure. And for sure. there's no way in the world you'd be able to cover a conversation or an intro into the QAnon phenomenon, uh, in five minutes or an hour. I mean, it takes, it's, it's, it's like learning Bitcoin. You know, so Rob, can, can, can you quickly tell us about Bitcoin? It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you know, gotta you gotta learn, yeah. you gotta learn the blockchain and then you gotta learn, uh, you know, uh, uh, decentralization. It's, so right. I'm, I'm cautious to, uh, to 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 jump all the way down, you know, to the bottom of the rabbit hole when a lot of people don't even know where the entrance but is. You're, and it, you're and, more, and I, but but the, you made a good point when you when you talked earlier to me, you know, you said, and you know, and you're fine if I talk about this that you believe that Bush was what was the word you used? Bush Senior was what? expired fired by the deep state you believe he was expired by the deep state and i i actually happen to you know think somewhat agree with you i i think that's completely uh believable in, in a lot of senses if you if you if you really look wait, at wait ex- no hold on hold on hold on let me let me finish let me let me valerie let me finish i know every everybody needs to okay. hear this so okay, okay so this, this is really interesting because you and I talked, Rob, and, and everybody needs to hear this. Comey 
Loretta Lynch and Hubert were supposed to be testifying this week. This pat this week they were supposed to be in front of you know everyone testifying, and even there were going to be some closed door sessions. The the week before it happens, I mean right before the weekend hits, last Friday, Bush passes away suddenly. I mean I know he was old. I know there you know was well hold on, Rory, because you, you also got to add one crucial element. So remember yeah. with Comey. It was originally framed that he was all over Twitter saying, oh, you know, I want to have a private or I want to have a public spectacle so the American people can hear the truth. Right. And, of course, right. you know, that, that good lad was a lot smarter than that because, you know, we've been there, done that. And inevitably, that's all they do. Right. Oh, we can't discuss mm-hmm. that under national security. So right. they're like, no, we're going to we're going to put this in private hearing so that you're not going to have that excuse. And <clears throat> so. He then started this campaign with his, with his lawyers, you know, across CNN, Fox News, and all this kind of other stuff, saying, "Oh, you know, I don't want, I don't want to." And of course, it was funny, even in your Tuesday uh, uh, topics, where it was messaged that he decided to go ahead and allow himself to be in private testimony. That's not what happened, <laughs> right? I mean, he got subpoenaed with no decision on his part, saying, "No, you don't have the grounds to say no." You're going to get your ass, and you're going to show up, right? That's that's actually what happened. So now, if 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 you're going to take this concept to the logical level, well, if you're on the deep state, that can't happen. This has these hearings have to get postponed until January. Why? Because now all the all the cleaners can then come in. Nancy can make all this stuff magically disappear. But if we can get these hearings into the house and documented. Then they'll move over to the Senate, and that's the point. Nobody cares about the House. I mean, yeah. as long as we can, we can finish off the business of Loretta, Loretta Lynch testifying, Comey testifying, and Huber testifying, that's all, that's all we I, need because they're, they're not, not, well, the Senate. See, oh, go ahead. I don't see what that has to do with Bush's death. I okay. mean, yes, so, I see that it was a week, but that is a week doesn't necessarily real, real mean quick, it won't Real quick, may I interject? This is going to get really interesting. Everybody's going to want to start commenting, and I love this. But real quick, <laughs> may I interject real quick? This is, this is great. This is awesome. Um, but th- this whole conversation is fascinating. But going into this, here's how I, here's how I view this. I view this as something – you know, that is, it's way more than what people think. I mean, people don't even know what's coming. And you and I were talking earlier today, Rob, that Trump signed an executive order that basically can charge people with treason, uh, you know, for for these sort of scenarios, what Comey and Loretta Lynch and other people have done, Andrew McCabe. And it take, goes into effect January 1st, 2019, which is only a few weeks away. Please elaborate on that. I'm sure everybody wants to hear about that. So, so it's going to go, let me go back to what Valerie was asking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but you know, and believe me, I mean, I'm just a student in this, so I'm not coming in and I'm not trying to present myself as an expert. I'm just, you know, in you and I having these conversations, <clears throat> you ask me questions, I answer them, but I do do a lot of research. Uh, um, and I, you know, so I'm not a journalist. I'm not an expert. I'm just a schmuck. You know that 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 likes to research. <laughs> so, but the, 
that the concept, at least, uh, is that, that the reason what would it take to to stop a judicial a, a, a judicial hearing? So, no, noting that Comey was subpoenaed and forced to make to, to make testimony on Wednesday of, of this uh, uh, of this past week, what, what's going to what's going to stop that hearing? Well, could, could it be what? What's it going to take? Well, a, a funeral m- might do it. All it would do is delay it for a few days. I mean, as long as it happens before January first, I, I don't I don't know. I think well, it, we have and, to be very very careful because well, to, to one, me, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to throw the conspiracy. I mean, Rory brought it up. I don't I don't even know that it that that, that, that how you feel about it, and and I don't have any feelings about it. I mean, uh, about whether he was expired or he wasn't. I, I, to, to me, it's a, it's a rebel, it, it's a, it's irrelevant. It's, it's just, um, you know, from, as I understand, Comey's going to be testifying now tomorrow, and the, and then the, the transcript will be released to the public on Saturday. So, right. But, but the whole, the whole goal is, is to, is to do whatever. The deep state has to shut Comey up or shut him down. He cannot testify, uh, and, 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 and tell the truth. And, and Huber is the secret weapon because Huber has been doing all this research over the last six, nine, I don't, I don't know exactly how long, but it's important that Huber testify last because that's the trump card in the sense that Loretta Lynch and Comey do not know what Huber knows, and they don't know what documents he's been able to surface. So it's important mm-hmm. that Comey and Loretta Lynch testify first so that now yeah. when Huber comes up, They'll they'll be able to then um, prove pr- pr- that, that either of them lied before Congress. So God, you need to think like so a chess. Fascinating. You need to think like a chess player, not not, not emotionally. You have to just look at this and, and just think like a mathematician. It's just math. Your feelings don't matter. Just think about it like chess. Uh, I'll, I'll right, go, so I want to go. I want to go to. I'll go ahead, Nothing to do. That's why I think Bush has nothing to do with it because he didn't really derail anything. He just delayed it a couple of days. Right. That could be, like I said, to, to me, the story is not whether he was or wasn't. It, it, it's, it's, right. it, it's just yet another thing. It's, again, you think of this as a chess match is, is you sacrifice a pawn uh, to, to get something. Again, the goal is, is to move these testimony or congressional hearings out to Jan- to January, where now that they're they're safe haven. But if they can't get to January, they are screwed. That their their position has been delayed, 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 even through the the, the Kavanaugh hearings and way before that. I mean, that's their goal is to to stop you know resist and stop the Republicans from getting anything through the House or Senate. So I don't think it's a new thing. Um, I just think it just happened to be that Bush died on you know the day in between. Well, yeah, but Kav- but but there's this, there was this, there was a very specific reason why Kavanaugh was selected as as um, a Supreme Court justice, and it, and, it, and it, I, again, I, you have to, and, and but but uh, he had to be confirmed because in 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 his you know he was asked I think you and I talked about this he was asked and and like I, nobody caught this but he was specifically asked by Jeff Sessions or not um, by. Um, uh, by Lindsey Graham, you know, ha- have Americans ever been 
uh, put before a military tribunal and and uh, in the United States? And the answer was, and, and Kavanaugh answered, yes, it actually has happened. It happened uh, right after World War II, and Americans died or were put to death as a result of it. Why was that? Well, because you know, in this plan, none of none of these uh, the, the 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 Clintons, the Obamas, and all this kind of other stuff. To, to think that they would actually be tried in front of a, a civil court or a government court, nothing would ever happen. I mean, in bon, in Dan Bongino even said that the other day in his, in, his, um, in his speech down in Florida. He's like, I doubt these guys will ever serve any time, or, and that just is what sucks about it. It's like, you know, that's, that, that's the struggle. But the difference is, is that with this executive order that, that Trump signed last year that goes into effect in January is the military tribunals are different because if you can, if, if you can try some of these political figures under military tribunals, that's different. And, and Kavanaugh was a key, was, was clutch in, in, and being on the Supreme court because he's already pre-affirmed that, that it's, that, that it's lawful for the president to do these things. And it's lawful yeah. for congressmen, former presidents, to go before a military tribunal and, and be convicted. Right. And that wow. we actually talked about on this show months ago because we were saying how surprised we were that when Kavanaugh was attacked that he didn't back down. Because I, I remember saying the Republicans always fold. And, and it was a surprise that he stuck to his guns and we were so proud that he was tough. And we decided that it was because of Trump, because Trump led the way to show that, you know, Republicans can stand up for a change. Um, And now I'm understanding that it wasn't just that. There was this whole story behind, you know, he had no choice. He had to continue. Right. Yeah. And and, and I I think the best way – go ahead, go ahead. Let me me say this one last thing is is – the only way to, to, to even partially believe this is, is or to believe any of the things that, that I've said and stuff that you guys talk, on, talk about on the show is yeah. you have to take some of these things and suspend them and then take them naturally in your mind to the, to, to the, to the natural conclusion. Okay, so if, we're become, if, if the world is, is going towards socialism, well, okay, what does that look like? Well, <laughs> so the next question is, is well, in order to, to – Make globalism or socialism a worldwide thing. What do you have to do? Well, you absolutely have to take down the United States to do that, right? Because, right. I mean, it's not a. That's what you have to do. Well, how do you do that? Well, you flood. You know, you you do that in a variety of ways. You don't use one way to do it. You flood. You flood the United States with immigration, a lot like like Paris or, uh, or the UK. You flood it with immigrants. You fill the news with all kinds of chaos to keep people busy. So that so that they don't even notice that the temperature is rising. The 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 best thing that we can do as patriots is is to is is to stop the stop looking at the headlines and look for the longer narratives and see the patterns that have yeah. historically happened, yeah. not just in our century. I mean, Valerie, you and I were talking about Islam and, and my ignorance into its historic past. Like I didn't know this stuff, and I'm freaking almost fifty years old. But I you know I said, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to relearn the history of these things, because either I forgot or I wasn't properly told. Ben, 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 I want, ben, I want your thoughts. And I know you have a lot of, probably a lot of thoughts about this. And then I want to go to Dan and then Dr. Butler. We have a lot to talk about as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I've got to jump here after this. I've got uh, prior commitment I've got to get to. But, um, the, okay. yes, there's no question it's a larger – it's all it's all connected. And so the, the fight that we're in, the border fight is simply uh, – in a lot of ways it's a distraction uh, for a much deeper fight that's been going on for decades to yep. undermine our country from within – and there, is, yep. there are actors that are playing in that that uh, would have been hung for treason in years past when we had the courage and the the, uh, the the leaders to actually stand up and uphold the, the values that this country was founded on. Uh, but there's yeah, there's no question. This is we are living in an age of of um, two types of justice: uh, lawlessness that's protected through the system. And and the system is so broken on so many different levels, whether it's the unelected bureaucracies that were you know never constitutionally intended to have the EPA decide uh, you know what uh, what we can do from an, eco- an environmental standpoint. So it's 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 an incredibly deep uh, dark hole that we are in as a nation. Um, and in order to get out of that, it's going to be very uncomfortable. We're already in the middle of a civil war. It's, it's just a cultural civil war. Yeah, but what we're heading towards is, um, is 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 true civil war, and actually I think it's more global war because it's it these are these are global interests. They're not just national interests now. These organizations, these deep the deep state is global, um, and so we're really I say we're in the third world war already, and it's that it really comes back to the godless uh, socialist Marxist globalist versus the righteous. Uh, capitalist, nationalist, uh, conservative, you know, types, libertarian. And that's really what the, 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 how, how we get to a place of sanity in all of this back to some sort of, sort of constitutionality. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's so deep and the corruption is so vast. Um, yep. you know, what, I mean, what is even right? What we're being told is it, is it, uh, what what we're what we're being fed is you know I mean even when when we're down there on the streets when we're looking at it when I'm down in Tijuana well that's you know that it, that's that's just one variable of thousands of variables that are being orchestrated by sinister actors around the world who are in, uh, who have been working on this for decades and it's like we're just coming around to kind of we're we're not playing different on different boards we're playing totally different games you know they've been this has been uh, in the works, and I, one of my friends, uh, Lance Walnow, talks about the seven mountains of society, and that's that's you know we the left has infiltrated all areas of society, the church, the family, education, business, arts, entertainment, media, government, uh, and we we play in those arenas. We'll play business, we'll play government, we'll play family, and play. Well, the left has has infiltrated into every single one of those, and they use them together in a coordinated effort against us, and so. Short answer is um, it's bad, you know, the, where it, we're it, at as a nation. And, and what Trump is doing, you know, whether or not – I saw Tucker came out with an article today, or he, yeah. he was on, a, on Fox or whatever, and he said, you know, Trump yeah. hasn't succeeded at his primary pr- promises to America, um, build the wall, defund Planned Parenthood, and uh, end Obamacare. But what he's done is change the conversation to the things that really matter. And that's kind of what we're, we're – and that's why the, the, it's like roaches. You know, we flip the light on. Trump flipped the light on, 
and now the roaches, the leftists, the, the, the swamp is scattering. And so the question is, how violent is it going to get before we, we take this ground back? Is, and I don't have an answer for that. And, well, and the, only, the only thing I would say to that – oh, Ben, ben go ahead. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me add this real quick, Roy. Is, is, oh, Rob, is, Rob, yeah, Rob, Rob, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So, you know, I mean, so it's, as, as a Christian looking at this, you have to, you know, again, going to that concept of follow something to its natural conclusion. There's nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible that talks about man being able to stop the, the, the you know, the, 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 the apocalypse and that, that's right. just not the tri- in the Bible. The tribulation, the tribulation's not, coming. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, again, it's like if you, if you pull your motion out of it uh, and, and again, think about it like math or like a chess game, it's okay. So this is something we probably can't solve. Well, but one of the things that if you're thinking about this in biblical concepts and rather than it being a Republican versus Democrat fight, you literally, you just take it to at the very basic levels of good and evil, God versus the devil, you know, then it's like, well, Probably, if I was the the, the, the devil and, and I wanted and I was a strategic thinker, what I would be doing would would be making the debate not about me and God. I'd be making the debate about you know Democrats and Republicans and capitalists versus right. socialists. You know, because then because then the people's minds aren't where they need to be, which is on God. It, it's it's on all right. the little miscellaneous ants that are running around the planet. Yeah, no, and that's, but that's so, why uh, my, I my whole. That's why yeah. I thought the Bush funeral was so pivotal because it brought us back to where we're supposed to be. When I heard this, well, I would challenge. I would challenge. I would challenge that. Um, that I, I think what we see anytime this happens is a ruse of people, you know, faking uh, some sort of decorum and, and emotion and godliness, holiness, right. simply for uh, out of respect for the lost. The, yeah, but I don't to add to Rob, Rob, you're. Um, and I've, I've got to jump after this, but yeah, yeah, but really you know, yeah, yes, yes, they were, they were, but the people that showed up at the funeral, you know, majority of them were not, um, and and not to get into Bush's, you know, his foreign policy and his economic policy, and they were definitely, uh, from a moral standpoint, they're yes, they were better than uh, than what we have as of late with Clinton and Obama and the rest of it. Uh, but back to Robert and I will I will I say real quick, Ben, before you continue, I will say real quick. What, what I did respect about the Bush funeral and, and the way they made their announcement is they actually said in a statement that President Trump has been so great to us in these last couple of days uh, with comforting us and giving us whatever support we want. And they made it very clear that they did not want an anti-Trump rhetoric yes. uh, funeral yes. in yes. terms yes. of speeches, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I thought was yeah. very yeah. appropriate. Unlike unlike yeah, John and, and McCain, so, unlike John McCain, right? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no question, no question. I mean, the fact that John McCain said he didn't want. Trump I mean, to don't give me don't you know, give me I mean, wrong, Ben. I wasn't Ben. I wasn't the biggest Bush fan, and I'm a Republican. I wasn't the biggest Bush guy. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not like defending. I mean, I, I agreed with Bush on some but stuff. It's not but, about politics. Right, but go yeah. ahead, though, Ben. Well, but back, but back to. Right, but back to what Rob was just saying, and, and I completely agree on that. The battle that we're in is not against flesh and blood, but it's uh, spiritual and against principalities and powers and, and spiritual realms. And, uh, and so this, what we're in right now, and my calling is for Frontline America is shining light in the darkness, 
raising up the Christian conservative remnant and exposing the lies of the enemy. And what we have, the, the interesting thing that we have is that it, it's very, the, the contrast is very stark between what we have on the left, which is really got, it's, it, at the heart of it, it's godlessness. And, but it, it manifests itself in socialism, communism, Marxism, leftism, globalism, whatever you want to call it. But it's all, it. it's all to disguise it's all to disguise the evil of the enemy. Um, and on the right, we are still in the battle to decide which side we're going to be on. We have the secular, um, godless Republicans who just kind of want you know some economic balance, uh, and then you've got the righteous, uh, you know. Uh, Christian element of it, and so we're still in that battle. But there's no question in my in my mind, this is that's the battle of our age. That is the war that we are in, the deeper war that we're in, and ultimately uh, we know the end of that war if we, you know, for believers. But uh, no question about it. I, I I see it that way. I've got to jump, guys. It's been fun. Okay. I'd love to uh, uh, keep you up Thank to date you. on the border ben, stuff. Ben, too, ben so. you've been awesome. You've been a great guest, and uh, I'm going to have you on the TV show next week. Uh, our Pio's coming on next week on the TV show on the TV show as well, so I'll get you on. But please tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, Frontline America. If you just search Frontline America, most of what we do is on Facebook, and then I've got a radio show on daily from four to five p.m. Uh, Pacific time on Talk Radio sixteen eighty KGED. Excellent. Hey, Ben, it's always a pleasure, man. You're a good friend of mine. You're a good friend of Joe Arpaio's. You're a good friend of, you know, all of us, and you're, you're a true patriot. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i so blessed to, you know, uh, for, for all your service, and, and I thank you, you know, for what you do each and every day. It's truly an inspiration. Well, it's an honor to do it, and uh, I, back at you, brother. I appreciate you, man. All right, we'll man. I love you, man. Right. And God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you all as well. We'll see you. All right, man. Ben Burke won, everybody. Great man. Great man. Always a great guest. Phenomenal guy. Um, I want to, you know, I want to get, you know, Dan's thoughts. And then Dr. Bustler, we have a bunch to talk about. And Rob, stay on the line because we want to talk about some economics. With with Dr. Bussler, the economist, but Dan Perkins, what are you, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, I have uh, I've written tens of thousands of words on a lot of the stuff that was being discussed tonight. Uh, I, I raise questions. I don't always have answers to the questions, but but it is the I'm I'm, I'm very concerned that we do not have a true perspective on how corrupt our central government is. And I think you're uh, and you're a- a- you're absolutely right because I ask myself that every day. I question myself, I question everything about our government. I don't trust our government. Um there's been so many things that they have covered up and you're absolutely right. I mean we we are lied. How are we supposed to trust you know, any of these entities. I mean, obviously we trust our president because, you know, he's a true patriot, but, you know, all these other officials that are involved in the government, very sketchy characters, but continue. Sorry. No, so, so the, 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 I don't know. Uh, I, I do believe, and I think I said this on the, on the television show earlier this week. I really believe that we've been rudderless in the Justice Department for almost 10 years. 
and uh, whether it was uh, Sessions or Loretta Lynch or L, uh, Holder, whatever. We yeah. need a strong and constitutionalist head right. attorney general for the Justice Department. Uh, and I think that that's the only way we're going to be, con- be able to continue to root out the evil that's in our government. Yeah. Rob, you, R- Rob, what are your thoughts? Well, like I said, it's when we talk about these things, uh, you, ha- you have to take your ideas and what you believe and take them to, to their natural conclusions so you can check yeah. your premise. You know, yeah. I mean, if, 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 if you say you're a Christian and you say you're a patriot and, we, and we're aware of things that are going on, you know, you, you've got to inevitably be asking yourself, okay, <laughs> so what do I do? What does the future look like? And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's biblically, it's like Republicans, Republican leadership and Democratic leadership, it's all man, right? And so, the, the, you know, the solution to this is pretty simple, and it's to choose God. I mean, that's it, at its core. To the degree yeah. that, that you that, that you want to get distracted on other things in terms of globalism versus capitalism and Republicans versus Democrat and gay people versus straight people, th- those are all just miscellaneous yeah. musings that, that that people have to burn time. But at the end of the day, you run out of time, and then what? Right. Right. No, you, you, well, you bring up a great point. Go ahead, Valerie. Like, like you and I were talking about this afternoon, See, I don't think that people are – it's the people that are so horrible and so corrupt. I think the system, and they get caught up. I mean, most people yeah. come here to Washington, D.C. With, with a good heart, and they get caught up in the bureaucracy, and they figure out after a few years that this is the way it is, and they can't fight the system. Yeah. And, 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 so and they're they so, either are part of the system or they get out. And Valerie, you bring up a good point. They're so money hungry after they've been in the business for for a few years, and they're like, "Oh God, I can get rich off these certain deals with lobbyists and all these different groups." Hell yeah, I'm in. I mean, that's that's how it works, you know. Uh, in 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 a lot of times, but at the same time, you have those honest politicians that do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, but they can't get much done. Right, right, and here's the thing. I want to. I, I do think, and you know, I may. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know if I. If I make yet. I think what I'm about to say makes valid. It makes valid sense. But if I had to give a statistic, uh, <laughs> people that have gone to D.C. and obviously, I'll give the credit to the candidates when they're running that their ultimate objective um, in in a lot of aspects is to help the country. But at the same time, there's also a lot of candidates that just want to be in power. So when these candidates get to Washington, D.C., you know, regardless of their standpoint, I believe a lot of these people see, you know, Money is the first, I mean, just as, I mean, most people would. Money is the first priority. I mean, these politicians are making a fortune 
off of these side business entities that they're making deals for or whatever, you know, so on. They're making, de- you know, they're making deals with all these different, you know, establishments and different people. And it's like, you know, I, I, I to say this, guys, and I hate to say this on the air, but I want to say about 90% of politicians in, in D.C. history have at least made one shady deal, at least one shady deal that benefited them or their family, you know, and, and pretty much, uh, you know, I don't necessarily – always think it screws the American people, but believe me, I, I would say 90% of these politicians uh, have, done, have done a few dishonest things in their career. And, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that humans are perfect, but at the same time, um, they're elected for we the people. Um, you know, but I, I can't – it's hard for me to talk on this topic because – I think, in a sense, I'm a I'm a hypocrite because if, I think if anybody had this sort of power, I think a lot of people would take advantage of these opportunities. I think there's, you know, certain things, you know, when you have this sort of flexibility and when you have this access, I I, I think it's a situation where you're like, oh my God, I want to see how much I can get away with, um, and how much I can benefit my family in my own pocket. I think a lot of people's mindset is that. Um, Dan, Dan, what what are your thoughts? I want to get to Dr. Bustler here shortly, but Dan, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm I'm about to run out of battery uh, on my phone, but but I I do think that there is a that if we go back and understand what the founding fathers did when they formed this government, they they didn't form a government for people to be in Congress for 46 years. Um, Even the first president, George Washington, said that two terms was enough to to run the country. Um, And and so as long as we have this perpetual ability, it is is the incumbency, which you're all – in essence, you're all talking about. It's the incumbency that creates the corruption. If you don't have incumbency because of term limits – Right. You create a cleaner and more honest government from a legislative standpoint. I I, I genuinely believe that. I be, I am an avid believer in term limits, and yeah, I think yeah. just just one one follow up to that point. Then I've got to go because I'm going to probably going to die off the air. Okay. But anyway, okay. If you know, you know that one of the reasons why there were 44 congressmen who chose not to re- run for re-election is that there is a term limit for chairmen of committees in the House. And so many of the people who chose to not stand, Trey Gowdy, for example, stand for re-election as a congressman was because their chairmanship was over. And it's hard to go down the ladder. It's hard to be the, the, the head honcho and then go back and be just a regular person. So that what I think happened is that because of the term limit situation, the chairman of the, of the Republican committees in the House were much more productive in trying to drive the agenda to get the information to find out what was going on. If they didn't have term limits, 
they probably wouldn't have been nearly as aggressive. And I oh, got to no, go, you're, so. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I, I was hoping you could stay on because we were talking about some China, China stuff, but uh, if you have to go, then I, I understand. I appreciate it. Thank you for always having me, and um, okay. we'll talk again okay. soon. Yeah, you'll be out. You'll, you and I will talk tomorrow. We have a lot of stuff to go over. We'll talk tomorrow. Yeah, yes, yeah. Take care. Good night. God, God bless. Dan Perkins, Doc Guru, everybody, if you want to find all his information. Thanks. I just want to make a comment really quick, if it's okay, Rory. Um, yeah. I don't think it's about term limits. I mean, people can vote their people out if they want to. And that that's that's an instituted term limit in itself. I don't think we need that create that. Um, and I also don't think it's necessarily the Congress in itself. Um, I think it's the deep state. It's, it's the bureaucracy. The government's too big, and we keep getting bigger, and the people in charge stay. You know, it's a, it's a whole career for 30, 40 years. So if you're a big Democrat and you've been in there for 30 years and you have all the power and then the Republican yes. president comes in and you hate him, then you under yeah. then they undermine him and they take away whatever it is that he's trying to do. So I don't really see it as a right. problem in the Congress. Right. I I do want to introduce um, our very our very special guest, uh, economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, running for Town Hall, Newsmax, Lizette, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael Bussler. I know I gave you an introduction earlier, but uh, we've been yep. so caught up in different conversations. <clears throat> I, uh, I wanted to introduce you once again, um, but Dr. Bussler, we have a lot of yeah. economic, economic stuff to discuss. First and foremost, yeah. I want to play this. I want to play this quick clip uh, about Obama taking credit for oil increases and said, <laughs> "I mean, this guy is so arrogant. So he's so fucking. I, excuse my language. He's so ignorant. I mean, the guy is so off the wall, out of his mind, delusional. Can't even give." credit where it's deserved to our current president and, and, and just the constant bashing of, of, of Trump from Obama. I mean, it's just, it, it proves the kind of person Obama yeah. is and it's a bitter individual, but here, here we go. Let's play this. Now, I know we're in oil country and uh, we need American energy, and, and by the way, uh, American energy production. It went up every year I was president. And, you know, that whole suddenly America's like the, the biggest oil producer and the biggest guy. Uh, that was me, people. I just wanted you to. <laughs> wow, there he is in Houston yesterday. Hmm. So, there, so there you go, Dr. Butler. I mean, you're an economist. Yeah. You're an expert in, in, in yeah. finance. I mean, you do this for a living. Please uh, debunk. Barack Hussein Osama. <clears throat> so the uh, the U.S. Uh, has increased energy production, and since Obama has left office, production has gone up uh, even more significantly. Um, ha- had President Obama not done anything, had he not done anything, uh, energy production would have increased even more. Um, wh- what happened was there were improvements in technology, mostly with the fracking, that found all kinds of new reserves. Uh, President Obama did everything he could to stop fracking from being implemented. Um, We also had a situation where uh, Canada um, has a lot of oil and not a lot lot of uh, refinery capability. Uh, So we're going to build a pipeline to take it from Canada 
uh, down to um, the Oklahoma area where Texas, where we have refineries, but President Obama blocked the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, then there's the um, oil reserves in Alaska uh, that President Obama also, since m- most of it's on federal lands, um, President yeah. Obama also said that couldn't be drilled. Uh, so um, energy production did go up, not because of Obama, but it did it in spite of everything Obama did. Now, once um, President Trump got into office and he was able to okay the Keystone Pipeline, he was able to uh, reduce um, hundreds, perhaps even thousands of regulations that uh, slowed down energy production. And he also allowed uh, drilling to occur on federal lands in Alaska. Now uh, energy production is going up significantly uh, and that puts us in uh, a great position. Uh, one, the increased supply of energy has brought uh, gasoline prices down, natural gas prices uh, down. Two, it means uh, we're no longer at all dependent on OPEC anymore, so they can pretty much do what they want to do. And, and let's, um, let's, it'll, look at the, let's look at the new report yeah. that just came out today. The U.S. becomes the the net oil, the, the top, the very first – I'm, well, not not the very first, but the, they're they're in first place. They're at the top of the line in terms of net oil exporters for the first time in 75 years. So we're leading the oil industry now. Yeah, and uh, Obama can't take credit for that. That happened right after uh, it. What happened during his term in office was not, as I said, due to him. It was due to technology advancing. Um, he did everything he could to stop that. Now that he's out of office and President Trump has reversed that, you get exactly the figures that Rory, uh, Rory just uh, gave. And in the, in the long term, um, it will become even better for the uh, U.S. as we start to uh, continue to produce energy and start, uh, particularly this liquefied natural gas is the next big thing we're going to, which we've already started, but we'll uh, continue to uh Export. President Obama likes to take credit for a lot of things that have, have happened now. Uh, and it's really, I was just going to say, it's funny you laugh because I said it's laughable that uh, he's, he's taking, taking credit for that. Actually yeah. Serious. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really when President Obama, uh, President Trump reversed everything Obama had done that we finally got growth in the economy. And, you know, I can sort of tie this to some of the discussion you had before about the socialism coming into to, to play and even some corruption. A lot of that has to do, you know, you, you, you say, um, why is it that socialism is uh, rearing its head now and appearing to be popular? Well, there's always a chunk of people that believe that, but you now have large numbers of Americans starting to listen to what they're saying. And the reason is our economic growth has been so poor Really, since the year 2000, we haven't had 4% growth since the year 2000. We haven't had 3% growth since 2005. We will get it this year. Um, Because of the economic stagnation, the lack of growth, there's lack of opportunity. And when there's lack of opportunity, people aren't getting what they think they should be getting uh, out of the economy. And then you start saying, well, look, everybody else has stuff. Why don't I have it? Well, let's uh, look at a socialistic view that says, well, we'll just take away from the people that earned it and we'll give it to you. So 
you have less uh, income inequality, uh, and that becomes very appealing to people. Free health care, free uh, education, uh, more food stamps, plenty of welfare to go around. And if there's no opportunity because there's no growth in the economy, that becomes very appealing. And that's why socialism, I think, is um, becoming somewhat popular with the Democratic Party. Once this growth starts this year, and I'm still very optimistic about growth into the future, once that happens, there'll be better opportunity for everybody. No, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But speaking of growth, there was a new report out in Breibart today. Wages, bonuses, and benefits are rising faster than prices. I mean, we're hitting an right. economy like never seen before. Right, right. We're we're going into a long term, I think, period of growth. Now, the the third, the fourth quarter of this year. Uh, just because the way things work out, we're only going to have growth probably in the 2.8 to 3% range. That'll still give uh, 3%, more than 3% growth for the year. It's the first time that's happened since 2005. But I think going forward, um, I think you'll see the growth numbers start to go up. And part of the reason for that is um, when Congress passed the last tax cut, they did it in such a way that it created a lot of new capital. And they did that right. by reducing the corporate tax rate from 35%, average of 35, down to a flat 21, and by also lowering the top bracket on the highest income earners. That'll create capital. So business investment, the first half of this year, shot up 10%, slow a little bit in the third quarter, but shot up 10, 10%. Now, it takes a year or so for that investment to filter through the economy. So I wouldn't be surprised. I expect good growth next year 2019 2020 is the year i think you can really start to see the economy take off uh and you'll have an annual growth rate probably in the four four and a half percent range once that happens a lot of this talk of socialism will go away because people will be seeing that the economy the the capitalistic economy provides opportunity for them and that opportunity allows them to uh, feel some self-esteem, being able to take care of themselves and improve their standard of living. And Dr. Dr. Butler, you know, oh, go ahead, Valerie, go ahead. Go ahead. Sounds like everything's going so well in our economy. Why are why am I losing so much money in the stock market? Yeah. So <clears throat> it used to be, and historically, when people buy stocks, you you buy stocks based on your expectation of future earnings in that corporation. And if you think the economy is going to grow and the corporation is going to do well, the earnings will go up, your stock value will go up, you buy that stock. If you think that the economy is going to slow down and uh, corporations aren't going to do as well and profits go down, then you don't buy that stock and the stock market tends to go down. That's the way it's supposed to operate. What we have today is a bunch of uh, irrational investors If Trump says tomorrow that we're very close to a deal with China, the stock market is going to shoot up 800 points. If Trump comes out tomorrow and and says, um, if China doesn't come to the table, I'm going to put more tariffs, the stock market will drop down 800 points. You have a, a situation where people are just 
overreacting to everything Trump says. What I tell people today is your money is in the stock market for the long term. Most people, it's for a big purchase to increase wealth or for retirement. Stop looking at it every day. And Dr. Hustle, we got we also gotta mention the fact we also gotta mention the fact that the stock market went up fourteen hundred points today after being way down yesterday. So I mean we're and I think that part of the reason that happened, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're an economist, you specialize, you're 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 a professor of finance at a very a great university, and you know, you know you know this stuff. But and you you have been talking to me on this show for months and months about you know uh, Trump's trade war with China, but as of now it looks like he's gonna win this. He's actually gonna prevail, and we are going to be better. I mean, it's the economy here after he wins this battle with China. We're ne- we'll never see this ever. I mean, this is an economy like never seen before. I mean, we are on a roll. We are by far, you know, the, on the most lucrative and wealthiest yeah. route in U.S. history. I mean, Trump, is, there's a reason they call him the best negotiator in the business world. You know, um, I, I said from the very first time I was on, on the program with you some months ago, that Trump has a strategy to win, um, to, to open foreign markets to U.S. manufacturers. And, and that's what he wants to do. Just quickly, so Trump gets into office. I may have mentioned this before on the show. Trump, Trump gets into office. He looks at every trade agreement. Every single one is slanted in favor of our trading partners and to the detriment of the U.S. They make a car in Europe. Sell it in the U.S., we charge a 2.5% tariff. We make a car in the U.S., sell it in Europe, they charge a 10% tariff. China charges a 25% tariff. Um, All of the deals are slanted like that. So President Trump says, I want all of our trading partners to come to the table and renegotiate this. Everyone said, well, look, we're politicians. Um, uh, You know, we're in no hurry to renegotiate this. So we'll convene a summit in six months and then we'll talk about some ideas, and then we'll go back and talk to our leaders and convene another summit next year, and then we'll kick the can down the road to the next guy. That's how yeah. politicians operate. President Trump yeah. is a business person. A business person yeah. sees a problem, and you have to confront it immediately. So we said to all of our trading partners, I want this resolved right away today. They said, no, uh, you know, we're not going to yeah. do that. So what does a business person do? You create a sense of urgency when you have a reluctant trading partner. How do you do that? He slaps tariffs on everybody. They need us more than we need them. These will hurt them, and they are hurting more than us. Already, he's got a deal with Mexico and Canada. He's already signed a deal with uh, South Korea. He's got the the European Union. Yeah, actually, let's go into that real quick, you know, uh, about and he's got China now to the how, table. How yeah. he how he re he refurbished and kind of reestablished and, and and put back together in a different way that would benefit the U.S. more strongly the NAFTA deal and Canada and Mexico exactly. had no choice but to come to the table and like I said for months, which you made the point just now, everyone needs the U.S. more than we need them. I've been saying that for so long, and you're absolutely right, right. but. Going into detail about this new NAFTA deal that they signed, can you give us some details about that? 
Well, basically, it, it leveled leveled the playing field. There was a few things that happened. Um, um, car companies would make a car in China, uh, and if you if it came to the U.S., it did have a small two and a half percent tariff on it. So to avoid that, they sent the car to Mexico, ninety percent finished. In Mexico, they would put the windshield wipers on, the hubcaps on, and a few little things. Say the car was made in Mexico and avoided the tariff. Well, you can't do that in, in, anymore. It also leveled the playing field um, with regard to, to tariffs. Um, and whatever we're charging, they're charging. So you end up with some leveled uh, there. And you're right. Canada didn't want to sign this. But it got to the point where they said, look, if we don't sign it, we're going to be left out in the cold. So, so they did uh, sign it. So now we have something. It's not a perfect agreement, but now we have right. something that's far better than we, we had before. Um, and that's occurring everywhere in the world. Now, China was very reluctant to come to the table. So Trump yeah. kept slapping tariffs and tariffs. He said, look, if you don't come to the table by the end of the year, you're going to get even more tariffs. So they, they agreed. They agreed to uh, postpone things for 90 days. The Chinese are talking about doing things they've never done before. Uh, they, they had this strange infrastructure finance plan where um, uh, less than developed countries would essentially get uh, sucked into uh, China doing things for them, and the countries would be indebted for, to China for virtually forever. It's a complicated thing, but they, we, they got it taken out. We have China coming to the table now, agreeing to open up their their markets. Remember, the whole goal of this is to open up, particularly Europe and Asia markets to U.S. Right. businesses. And after yeah. this is said and done, and I don't think we're more than about six months away from getting all of these things resolved. Uh, they may have to be approved by Congress, but at least the deals will be made, and these markets right. will now be open. And that's why I say by 2020, I'm expecting a real good um, economic growth and more of a free trade uh, arrangement rather than an imbalance and an unfair agreement with every country that we had in the past. And when you you bring up markets, you make a really good point because you bring up not only the U.S. market, but I strongly believe Trump has influenced the entire world market. Because we're looking at right now, Trump had a huge influence on Emmanuel Macron from France uh, backing off the green tax on fuel. I mean, Trump basically was one of the key voices to stopping that. And we saw all the protests in the streets in France. And look look at how Macron changed his mind right away. I mean, Trump is having influence on all these world leaders, and we're seeing this everywhere. We're seeing it on Kim Jong-un. We're seeing it on on Putin. We're seeing it on uh, Assad. Everybody is getting dominated by Donald Trump. They do not want to mess with Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, um, the, the world uh, typically follows what the U.S. does. Now, they're following a little more, I think, under Trump. But uh, So for the last eight years, we, we had a president – uh, that stressed um, trying to cure these perceived social injustices. Um, yes. And those things were more important. And he said, look, it's an injustice, among other things, it's an injustice 
the wealthy have so much and other people don't. So we're going to take money away from the wealthy and give it to all those people who um, haven't um, earned it. Well, the rest of the world started to look towards this socialistic philosophy too. Now things are changing. President Trump is encouraging individual responsibility rather than social responsibility, a return to smaller government, And I think starting this year, Trump's going to work on reducing government spending so the deficit ends up going down uh, next year. So reducing the the role of government, um, making markets more free, and coming up with agreements that are fair. Um, And that also means when you reduce the role of government, you can reduce the tax burden on um, taxpayers. And when that happens... Uh, consumers have more to spend, business has more to invest, and we're starting to grow uh, much faster than the rest of the world. Once they see what's happening here, they're going to start yeah. to uh, follow along. Now, they, they, their culture yeah. is stuff is so that it may be a little slow, but still they'll see right. what's happening here, and they'll start to go in that direction. Right, and, and you know, you're you, – I, I want to ask you another thing, and I know my panel. I, I want to let my panel get. I want to let my panel ask you questions. But um, a big thing, you know, that came out today, or you know, just recently in the, in the past few days at least, is that you know Trump is only asking for at this point one fifth of the border wall funding. But in my strong opinion, you know, there's a strategy to that. You know, he can get it. We saw everything he's done in his real estate career and his business career, how he's done everything for under budget. Well, I think we saw the wall said it would cost $9 billion. He's only asking for $5 billion. We've seen Trump do yeah. many projects throughout his entire uh, career for way under budget. So it leads me to believe that he's on to something here. Uh, I, I really think he – has a back strategy where he found somebody that's going to basically do it for half the price of what was quoted on, or, you know, he has some other uh, alternative route where he's going to get the rest of the money from. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, Trump is a business person. A business person understands how to produce things at the lowest possible cost simply because they're motivated by profit. The federal government is not motivated by, by profit. They're motivated, um, not exactly sure what they're motivated, but they're not motivated by profit. As a result of that, as a result of that, they're not interested in necessarily getting costs as, as low as possible. You know, you also bring up um, a very good, good point. The, the Democrats, w- who will have control of the House of Representatives, I think have a tremendous Matthew opportunity. Waters in charge of the financial committee. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of problems. But I think the Democrats are missing a tremendous opportunity. Um, if we have a, a, a Democratic House that leans left and they have to come up with a bill w- with a Senate that leans right, if they work together, they can probably come up with something that is enough of a compromise that each can live with it. And President Trump will sign it. You know, I've often said President Trump has the mind of a Republican and the heart of a Democrat. Um, So I think if the Democrats start to work with him a little bit, we can really move this country forward. Now, to be perfectly candid, I don't expect that to happen. I expect the Democrats, as most of us do, to come in and start 
investigating and doing all this other stuff instead of legislating. Yeah. Well, we already and that's we already why they know. have to get the funding for the wall before January first. Exactly, oh, absolutely. Get it you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, in. Valerie. And you know yeah. what I've read, what I've read, and what I've heard is that the House Democrats, now that they have control, their only objective and ultimatum is launching investigations into Trump's personal life. You know, like stuff like his taxes. You know, his organizations, they're not doing anything yeah. productive of what their people voted to elect them for. I mean, yes, there's a lot of Democrats, voters that want Trump, want Trump impeached, but the people that are thinking logically that are voting for these people know that Trump's not going to be impeached. So the, the, these Democrats right. are wasting their time on a witch hunt that, you know, is only going to hurt them, you know, because look, look at the facts here. 2018 right now, some of these Democrats just got elected into the House. In two years, they're up for re-election every couple of years. And think about in two years, if all they've done is try to go after Trump and nothing comes of it, and, it, and actually it just backfires on them, it's really going to make them look so foolish beyond words and just like total jackasses. Yeah, um, they think that they can make Trump look so bad that um, people will will just not vote for Trump. They're not saying vote for the Democrat. They're saying don't vote for for Trump. Um, And, you know, you you bring up another thing. They're going to start attacking Trump and trying to subpoena his tax returns. In my opinion, there's no way Trump should ever release his tax returns ever. Now, why do I say that? The reason is he's a business. business. Yeah. Yeah. He's a business person. Because they want to be bullies. Exactly. And he's a a business person. And business people, there are things you write off and things that happen in the normal course of business. The New York Times will get a hold of this. They'll rip apart everything. Uh, he, he has one write-off. They'll write a story about how a uh, poor rural guy somewhere, uh, Trump owed him uh, $10,000 for a job he did, and, uh, you know, it got lost somewhere. And he, meanwhile, this guy starved to death. And this is, uh, you know, the way Trump operates. He puts people out of business. So, look, I live down beach from Atlantic City. Trump had some business properties here that didn't go very, very well. Um, and, you know, he, he lost money. Look, he, he bought uh, what became the Taj Mahal, was a billion-dollar purchase. He put yep. up $100 million of his own money, got bonds for the other $900 million. It ended up not – it was too big, and the market got saturated, went out of business. So Trump lost $100 million. And you're right. There's some vendors who were owed some money, and at the time of bankruptcy, they got hurt too. Um, but once, if Trump released these tax returns and the New York Times got a hold of them, uh, they would make him look like the worst person in the, in the world. He can't release his tax returns. And, and you know, like what you know what? With Mitt Romney, remember Mitt Romney? He yeah. had an employee with a insur- health insurance, and they had virtually accused him of murder, and she wasn't even working exactly. there anymore. And what people exactly. fail to understand, what people fail to comprehend and properly take in and understand is that, especially on the left, I mean, you know, the left, I I think a lot of these left-wing commentators know, obviously they do, they're not stupid, they get paid millions a year, but they want to, 
spew and, and uh, speak to their voters, oh, Trump's filed bankruptcy all these different times. What a terrible businessman he is. No bullshit. Every businessman that is smart, that is going through a struggle or a rough time, files bankruptcy. It's one of our rights. It actually is a smart tool for, many, very, for various things. It doesn't necessarily mean you're struggling. It, it, it's one of those things that's one of your rights as an American, and it, it's, it's useful in so many different ways. So when people use the word bankruptcy, the term, you know, they try to put someone down. It's reorganized. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's yeah. So, so with, uh, with Trump, he had over 100 major real estate deals. Four of them yeah. didn't work out. So when it doesn't yeah. work out, you, you know, you just throw, look, I put money into it. I, and, and like with yep. the Taj Mahal in, yep. here in Atlantic City, put $100 million into it. He did the best yep. he could to keep the thing going. It created, yep. uh, I think he had 6,000 people working there for the yep. four, five, six, eight years it was open. But look, it just, yep. it just didn't make it. Uh, so yep. that, that kind of thing uh, happens. And yep. when that happens, you uh, – uh, file for bankruptcy. You can either file to reorganize and keep going or get out of business. Yeah. He re- reorganized. He eventually sold uh, to the bondholders. Carl Icahn had bought the bonds by that time. But uh, So you go bankrupt and uh, you, you chalk it off. Look, I lost the money I invested. Yeah. Other people lost yeah. some money, and that's the way it goes. Yeah. We all take a chance in, in business. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other 96% of the projects I worked right. on are extremely profitable. Exactly. We have a few minutes left. Rob, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, I, I, I guess in, in tying the, uh, the, 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 the talk we were having about politicians and, uh, you know, getting back in office and, and with, with the business mindset versus a politician's mindset, it, 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 it's, it's really simple. I mean, if you're in government, the idea is is to create and solve problems and to and to operate in perpetuity in in, in in perpetuity, right? I mean, if, if yeah. think about think about it this way: if government solved a problem, what would they do? <laughs> right. Right. Now they've got nothing to do. How, how do you justify uh, a full time job in D.C. with the staff? You've got to do something, right? But if you're a business yeah. person, you don't have that luxury, right? Because you're using your cash, and so it really has to do with with what your goal is. If you're a business person, it's yeah. it's pretty it's it's pretty obvious and it's pretty instant. If you make a mistake, yeah. you lose, right? There's accountability yeah. for that. But government doesn't have that accountability. Okay. So I mean. Donald Trump's worldview, because he's been a business person, his mindset is is to go in and fix problems. A politician's right. mindset is is to go and right. perpetuate the problems and then pretend that you're the solution. So it's an incompatibility <laughs> issue. Right. I mean, and, and, and I don't even say that cheeky. That's actually what happens. I mean, the founding fathers had no intention for for people to hang out in D.C. all the time. They were to go there, meet when they needed to meet. And then get the hell out of D.C. and do their thing, go back to their hardware jobs and, and, and making horseshoes and things like that. It was not a full-time job. We, but now it's not only a full-time job, but it's staff and, 
and all this kind of other stuff, you know. And then, of course, when people get to D.C., I mean, it's going to be interesting to see or, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know. I mean, she now has – yeah. she, she's, she's got now a whole bunch of people that she's been able to hire with yeah. our taxpaying yeah. dollars that are going to feed her she, daily she information is, about how she amazing is not, she is. She is not. She's nuts, but I do want to say though, um, I do want to say we are we have about literally like ninety seconds, so I I do need to get everybody to promote their stuff. Um, first of all, Rob, I'll start with you. Please promote uh, whatever you know your website, your Facebook, all that stuff where people can find you. Uh, so the business website is Hicks Video H I X V I D E L, and I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, and. Uh, uh, YouTube and Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter that much. And uh, Dr. Butler, go ahead where people can find you. Um, yeah, all my columns I always uh, tweet out at MBUSLER. That's at MBUSLER. And my Facebook is uh, Funding Democracy, the Economics of Freedom. So if you're on Facebook, search Funding Democracy or uh, Facebook.com forward slash Funding Democracy. And, and Valerie, go ahead, please. Uh, my security company is SkyRaceSecurity.com. So if you're looking for um, help being safe in your in your company, um, write us a note. Absolutely, and your book too. You have a book out. Um, Backyard Jihad at um, BackyardJihad.com. You can buy it on Amazon. Thank Perfect. you, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely, and everybody can. Uh, visit uh, thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your amazing President Trump memorabilia and merchandise and clothing. Also, please visit getyourappbuilt.com. Again, that's getyourappbuilt.com. You know, we charge a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else to – if you have any app ideas or any tech ideas, we can help you right away. Also, uh, visit our brand-new media empire that we just recently launched, which is thenextgenusa.com. Again, that's the N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And uh, we have a lot of great stuff coming, coming to uh, all of you uh, in the coming weeks. And uh, we have a huge um, guest load uh, next week. Uh, we'll be having... Sheriff Joe Arpaio on next week, among many others, uh, big names. So I'm very excited to be with all of you. Uh, as always, uh, you can find my show uh, all over online. I'm on like over 40, at this point, over 40 different platforms on the radio and podcast and uh, TV. You can find me all over online on, on different TV uh, video platforms as well as we are now downloadable in 19 countries. Again, that's 19 countries. I want to thank all of my audience. I want to thank all of my co-hosts. I want to thank all of my special guests. I want to thank all my sponsors. It's been an amazing show tonight. Um, God bless all of you, um, and we will see you on Tuesday, everybody. Um, Have a great weekend. Uh, Cheers. Take care. Bye. See you guys.